0: This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. All right, welcome to episode six of the March to the Arch podcast. Today, we plan on breaking down the Loyola Ramblers and the Bradley Braves. We'll also go deeper into the Valley, but first, what's going on today, Baker?
1: it is uh it's a good day uh first off uh spider-man's back in the mcu so everybody needs to be excited i'm probably the only person in the world that's excited about this
0: that's probably listening to this podcast but spider-man's back in the mcu Um, uh i'm gonna say stay in your lane this is (laughs) a uh arch madness podcast about the missouri valley conference tournament so unless they're shooting it um in st louis and somehow um the enterprise center is involved hey guess what don't care baker i know but i'm excited um
1: I'm also excited because we get to debut, and we're going to do it right now. Let's debut our our new segment, or not necessarily segment, but a new board that we're going to work on. I think segment's right. Yeah, I guess segment we can call it. Uh, this will be called the Take Board, and so what we're going to do here is we're going to keep track of the takes that Vance and I have throughout the year, um, and it's going to basically be a tally board, and we're not sure what we're playing for yet, but uh, we will play for something because we were kind of talking after the show the other day, and Um, there's something that we're kind of in between on and the first one we have is the battle for Iowa and right now I am fully behind the Drake Bulldogs he's behind Northern Iowa and that is our first take board tally so yep um, so So, we're gonna I guess we'll do this as who has a better valley stand who finishes higher in the standings higher arch madness seed where we at
0: Yep, and so I think at the origin, um, if you remember why we do this podcast, um, one of the reasons we started this is because we would have crazy takes throughout our lunch conversations throughout the year. And at, for lack of a better term, we just forgot about them. Or the end of the year came and we were like, wait, I was on this side, and me and Baker would get on an argument and we'd forget which side we were on of the take board. So this is a way, is basically a tracking mechanism for us. Um, so yeah, first one is the battle for Iowa. Um, I've got the Panthers. And uh, I'll take the
1: Bulldogs I, I, I mean this is something that it was funny we were actually kind of talking about this which team we like better and it's funny how much how high I am on Drake and how high he is on Northern Iowa and it just kind of was like do you like the other one better and he's like yeah and I
0: was like okay I think we've got something to go against here All right, um, take a board a set that's our first one
1: Vance what else is going on with you today
0: um, so, um, everybody knows it was uh, media day for MVC Hoops, uh, both men's and women's. They did it at the Missouri Athletic Club, um, you know, just, it's basically a photo op, get some interviews for some of the beat writers, um, teams get a little amped because they put a couple videos together, and most importantly, first day of practices. Um, after media day or same day, so it's always cool seeing um, you know uh, Brian Mullins out there for his first media day, um, and then him saying can't wait to get back to Carbondale so we can start practicing, um, you know so that was exciting for me.
1: Yeah, no, in the media day, I think the one thing that people are waiting for, and and I haven't seen them come out yet. I don't think they have. Is everybody's waiting for the preseason polls? Um, I'm waiting for uh, just to kind of see. I, I it's kind of nice to see where the media has everybody as as the coaches. Um, who's gonna be first team, who's gonna be player of the year, media. Um, I, I, think it'll, I think it's gonna be very interesting.
0: Yep, and so uh, just for the listeners, once that comes out, we will do an episode just on that. We're going to break down uh, where the preseason rankings are compared to what we thought. We're going to break down all the teams and just uh, summarize that for our listeners out there. Looking forward to that, Baker.
1: And it's so fascinating because, you know, you and I have talked about it. It's like we're both kind of like there's different players that could be on this first team. There's different players that could be player of the year preseason. I think that the rankings are going to be extremely interesting because I know that there's a lot of teams that, Like Evansville, for example, we're high on Evansville, but how high is the media going to be on Evansville? What do they know about Evansville?
0: Yeah. And I feel like recency bias also creeps into rankings as well, so just some media maybe not doing all their due diligence. Um,
1: And and, and, I mean, sometimes you have those
0: coaches out there that maybe maybe like to vote for themselves. (laughs) Um. (laughs) There's one coach that likes to do that, Baker, not some coaches. One coach does that year in and year out. And God bless you, Dan (laughs) Muller. Um, all right. My last pet peeve from MVC Media Day. And I don't know why this gets under my skin, but I hate that they, have, they make the players from every team take pictures, like holding or touching the championship trophy. I don't know why it irks me. Um, it's almost like, that's bad juju. I, I, don't touch it until you earn it. Drives
1: me up a wall. I'm, I'm so with you. I, I was looking through some of the things on Instagram and Twitter. And you see both the men's and women's teams holding the championship trophy. And I think it's just a photo op for maybe like commercials. Can I know they yeah, run absolutely. that one Valley commercial throughout the year with them holding it? And it drives me nuts. If I was, I, I kind of feel like it's one of those things that. Um, I don't know how, how familiar you are with, with when, when in hockey. If they win the championship, yeah, yep. if they win the like the Eastern Conference championship, nobody goes and touches it. Right. And I feel like that kind of thing needs exactly, to happen here. Like, exactly I, I want to go up to Keith Fisher and Zach Copeland and say, guys, don't touch it. Right. Bad idea.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It just gets under my skin. So just wanted to point that out. I don't know if that bothers any of our listeners. Or I, it bothers just, me. So, okay, so I, at least we're on the same. I,
1: I'm sure that I'm sure there's more out there that bothers as
0: well. All right, so um, let's jump in to um, and break down Loyola and the Bradley Braves. All right, starting off with the Loyola Ramblers, the uh, last year's co-champion along with the Drake Bulldogs. They were the number one seed uh, due to the tiebreaker rules. They finished the conference season 12-6 and, and were 19-12 overall. This is Porter Mosier's seventh season at Loyola. Let's recap last season, Baker.
1: Yeah, last season, I think they came in, obviously, with uh, high expectations. Um, About yeah, the highest we, you can get from a Valley <laughs> team. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. No, I mean, go to Final Four, and, I mean, you're going to get the highest of expectations. Uh, last year, it was kind of a mixed bag at times. Um, it was always kind of felt like, um, I'm going to jump into a player right away. as Clayton Custer. He was always one of those guys that he was the player of the year in the Valley the year before, and it kind of never felt like he was... He was all the way... It just it didn't feel like he replicated the junior season as much as you would have liked, but for right. hi, for luckily for him, Marcus Towns came in and played really well. Um, it never felt like they were quite as good as the prior Final Four team. Obviously not when you lose that many players. But, I mean, they were still a formidable team. The problem was, I think, when they ran into that... The first time I really realized that this team probably isn't as good was when they hosted Nevada last year. And it, that game was not as close as the final score would indicate. Right. Um, they weren't in that game, at least in my opinion. Um, and, I, I mean, they obviously they had that, that hiccup at the beginning of the season with Furman. Um, right. And it just felt like they were losing these games that you felt like they, you wanted them to win. But then when they played Nevada, it was one of those times where it was like, okay, you know, this isn't the same Loyola. And, and, and truthfully, it, it just never felt like they were all clicking, except for maybe
0: Marcus Towns. Yes. Um, so for me... I thought when they lost to Furman and then they got beat by Boston College and Nevada, that I was like, all right, they've been figured out. Um, The teams have figured out Loyola. They're not sneaking past anyone. But then they go into the Missouri Valley season and, you know, end up the number one seed, which with the parity last year, I was surprised, um, you know, that was the case. But, you know, I think the identity is Loyola lost their face players with uh, Towns and Custer. Graduating yeah. The, the, for this upcoming season. Yeah, that's... Like, as we as we pivot to um, what their non-conference looks like this year.
1: It, it's good. So, I, this is a weird one for me. I, so, I want to say, if you want to compare the non-conference for Loyola this season to the rest of the Missouri Valley, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my expectations should, are a little higher than what we got here. Um, it's not bad, but I've... I mean, you went to a Final Four two years ago. I think you should have a much better non-conference schedule. You have Davidson coming in, which is great. You're going out to Phoenix playing Vanderbilt. The Cayman Islands Classic isn't bad. There's Mm -hmm. some decent teams in there. Um, You drew South Florida, which is it's at least, that's not a terrible game. But it, doesn't it feel like there's something to be desired here? It just doesn't feel like a, a Final Four year two years ago. It doesn't yeah. feel like that's the
0: schedule we're looking at. Because you should have already had some pretty good contracts in place after mm, that Final Four yeah. um, year. So you want to, I mean, St. Joe's. I mean, you've you got some big conference schools there. Yeah, eight,
1: and and A-10 school, uh, St. Joe's, A-10, right? Yeah. yeah
0: and the, the one think I think I've, uh, I've
1: noticed is interacting with other Loyola fans out there, a lot of them are disappointed in their non-conference. I think they wanted to get a couple power five schools on there, and rightfully so. You have a rebuilding Vanderbilt as your as your one power five school. on. Right. on I mean, outside the Cayman Islands Classic, obviously, you could play a power five there, but as your traditional non-conference portion of your schedule, a one power
0: five school, and it's a rebuilding school. Yep, and so, I mean, does that lend you to think that Porter Moser knows what he has coming this year, and so he didn't want to go out? And schedule. Um, I don't think that's the case, but that's, I think that's, that's, that's a take.
1: No, that's a take for sure. And and you could make a strong case for that because I mean, you are losing the the last two players of the year in the Missouri Valley Conference. I yes. mean this is. Uh, I don't care what Custer. I don't care if Custer had a down year last year. At least in my eyes, it was down. I don't care if it wasn't as good. These two guys are the last two players of the year in the Missouri Valley, and with all the great players they've had in the Valley in the last two years, these are the two top guys. Mm-hmm. You have to replace those two. Uh, there, I think there is some, some concern there, for yeah. sure.
0: Absolutely, so um, I think a lot of the pressure, um, a lot of the weight is gonna have to fall on Cameron Kretwig um, this yeah. upcoming. Yeah. I think he's gonna f- sniff uh, player of the year honors. He's definitely going to be first team um, preseason, if I had to guess. Uh, For sure,
1: for sure. I mean, especially when you finish this, I mean, even with recency bias, but I think rightfully so. You are the first team all-NBC last year. Yeah. You're going to be on first team preseason coming back as a junior. Um, He is one of those guys that I think just absolutely needs to take over for Loyola. And it uh, it has to be his team, and it has to be him night in, night out, be consistent. And he is just, he's one of the, he's a big guy, and you wouldn't think it would look as pretty as it does, but his footwork is just, it's outstanding and you saw it in the final four run as well as last year i mean when he wants to he can take over at any time
0: i i agree with that sentiment um that he has to take over and i think to an extent he will will, um he will um but without towns and custer around you to make those passes to get those entry passes to you what talent is going to fill in to get him the ball
1: yeah, no, and that's and that's really that's the question for sure. I mean, you have Lucas Williamson, who I I think is a really nice player uh, out of Chicago. He was eight points a game last year. He's gonna have, uh, he's gonna have to shoulder a lot of the load. I, I think he is the guy that's going to at least have to somewhat replace Towns. Yep. Um, it, that's tough. That's tough to do. And you bring up a great point. Maybe you know not having those guards out there is really gonna hurt him. I know. Um, Cooper Cephas is out for the season With a torn labrum I know that everyone is really just shook about that That's That was a guy that you were depending on He was an all freshman player last year Coming back in the sophomore season I think a lot of people were hoping That he was going to be one of those guards To take over for your Custer and your Towns uh, It's a it's an interesting team I think enough of Cameron Crutwig That I think that he takes that next step Here in his junior year I think he becomes the man in the valley um, I it's a tough it's a really it's a really close call for preseason player of the year but he is right there for me. He's right there with the
0: silver in my mind. Yeah,
1: it's it's those two and um like I said, I think I think this is you're gonna have to, you're also gonna find out if the agility of uh, Porter Moser's coaching comes yeah. into play because he's gonna have to change from from you know having those guard heavy leading into the post where you're gonna have to I mean I think that you're gonna have to especially early on you are going to have to pound the post.
0: Yep, and like let's not forget he lost his associate head coach. I mean, Brian Mullins drove south to uh, lead the Salukis, <laughs> um, so... But
1: that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, I'm laughing just because it's, you're Southern, but yeah. you know what? Honestly, that's nothing to really sneeze at. You have a defensive-minded head coach, which I... I it, it, let's be honest. If you're getting a head coaching job in that same league, obviously... People think enough of you, Absolutely. and I yeah. know, and I know it wasn't that Loyola didn't want to keep him. Right. I know they tried to they, keep they, him. They, they did, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't like just letting him go. And it, you saw what happened with Dan Muller when he lost a lot of his good assistants. Um, it didn't necessarily mean he was a poor coach. It just me, I mean, it made him. It, it's he's in the process of kind of transitioning past that. Right, and and you wonder if Porter Mosher is going to go through that same
0: thing. Yep, and you just don't know. Like you don't know what players were coached or were close to Mullins. You know who was a Mullins guy. There could, right? Hopefully,
1: it sounded like Mullins and Mosier were very close. Mm-hmm. And and you and on the way out, Porter Mosier had probably the most glowing review of him, and he was extremely happy. I mean, sometimes it's coach speak, but it definitely felt pretty genuine. Right. So I don't necessarily think that there was ever a divide or anything. There was to- there was never like a Mullins guy or a Porter guy. I think they were just Loyola guys. Right. But it, it definitely, it definitely, you know, sometimes you resonate more with one culture rather than another.
0: Right. Yeah. But I, I think that is a big change that, um, or it's a it's a growing pain that the Ramblers mm-hmm. will have to work through um, this upcoming year. So did they play postseason They did. They did, did. they did play postseason,
1: yes. Yeah, sorry, we didn't cut on yeah, that. Yeah, I kind of um, cut off our no, that's okay. uh, last year recap. It's okay.
0: Um, they
1: After losing that close game to Bradley in the semifinals at Arch Madness, they did go to the NIT. They were the uh, lone representative from the Missouri Valley to the NIT. Um, lost at Creighton, uh, yeah. a former Valley member. Uh, lost by nine in a game that I don't necessarily think was all that close. I watched a little bit of it. It was, it it just, it it was, that was a disappointing end of the season, but you got a tough draw on the NIT. Um, A side take for you about just, it's not necessarily fully about Loyola. I, how do you feel about the whole regular season champion going to the NIT as an automatic
0: bid? I love it. And I'm glad you recapped that because I was just going to kind of remind the listeners that that is a a thing that NIT does that if you won your regular season but do not clinch your automatic berth, you get an automatic uh, invitation. To the NIT, I love it. Um, I think it helps uh, minimize the bad taste in the mouth of one big conferences.
1: Yeah, no, for sure, and and it helps out, especially the conferences smaller than the Missouri Valley. Those champions still get a shot at a postseason, a a good postseason tournament in the NIT. Which I mean, I'm down on obviously as an ISU fan because that's not what I want, but. As a whole, as a conference, I mean, the NIT is, not, is at least something.
0: It, it, it's something. And I don't get it as high as other people get with NIT because it's a forgettable field.
1: Okay, so one other thing I want to say about this, though, is, and I'd love to hear your input on this, how do you feel about a co-champion in a league missing out on the NIT based on a tiebreaker of seed? We saw that this year with Drake. Drake did not get an automatic bid to the NIT, so how do you feel about the NIT only taking one team when realistically, it's not like we have a ton of conferences out there having co champions. Do you think they should take both? I mean, it would be it would be advantageous, obviously, to us talking about it right now with the Valley.
0: Right. So I think it's a limited field. They have to cut it somewhere. Okay. Um, I. I'm- I'm not forward against it. I'm not. I don't have a pitchfork uh, okay. for the Drake Bulldogs getting into the NIT last year. No, and,
1: and neither do I. I just think it's kind of interesting and something kind of to talk about that the Drake did miss out on the NIT based on the tiebreaker of not having the number one seed in the Valley Tournament. Loyal gets that automatic berth, which I just think is interesting how they do it. But um, it's it's kind of one of those things that we just kind of want 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 more, especially because it affects us this. Oh, year. absolutely, so, yeah, yeah, but. Um, Where are you? Uh, So overall, talking about Loyola, I mean, this is one of those programs that in the Missouri Valley, um, we're really hot. Obviously, the you know Missouri State's getting a lot of buzz, but this is another team that you um, going in your expectations. I'm sure Porter Mosier's are to win the league. Yeah, Um, so so I won't
0: be surprised if preseason comes out and they are the number one. Like I won't be surprised. Do I agree with it? I don't think I. I personally do not. I know you're higher on Loyola than I am. My concerns are that. If they're going to rely on Crutwig so much, they need people to get him the ball. And I don't know if the people around him, one, can pick up the slack, or that they brought in people to pick up Towns Custer, former player of the year, Larry Bird player of the years, um, to do that. So that's my take. on That's my perspective on Loyola. I think they will be good. I think they will be easily top half. They'll be... Last Saturday in um, March, or last Saturday of the, of the season, they will be there um, vying for a conference championship.
1: Yeah, I, so I'm a little higher on them. Than, it's, it's, one, it's really tough with them in Missouri State, and I think that's your top. I mean, I, I reserve the right to change my mind, but honestly right now it just keeps coming down to Missouri State and Loyola for me as the two teams at the top. And I lean Loyola, honestly, because it's kind of one of those things that I've seen them do it. I, I have enough faith in Porter Moser because he's, I think ever since, I mean, he had a bad run at ISU, but ever since he worked at St. Louis under Rick Majerus, it kind of just felt like a different coach. And I have enough faith that he is going to adapt to losing those guards and running things around Cameron Crutwig. I think enough of Cameron Crutwig as probably the best player in the league, in my opinion. Um, so that they're, I'm leaning Loyola as that team to, to be my preseason pick.
0: Okay. I think that's good. Um, I think that's a, that's a perspective. We're on different sides of it. Not we're not always going to agree, um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not gonna, like I said, not going to be surprised when preseason comes out and media goes Loyola number one. I'm and not going like, mad. i mad. not going to. I'm not going I'm, I'm to have torches and pitchforks yeah. going. And out I'm it, the same but. way
1: with Missouri State. I, I won't be surprised if the if we look at the other th- way on the flip side, if it's Missouri State one and Loyola two three whatever. Yeah, I, it's it's kind of it's a crazy year at the top. So. Um, I think it, it's going to be a I can't wait to see those media polls, honestly Because yeah. I'm just curious where they go But um, yeah, loyal, obviously, right there at the top Going to compete for the title Absolutely
0: Alright, that's been the Loyola Ramblers On today's Deep in the Valley We're going to focus on Hersey Hawkins Of the Bradley Braves Hersey Hawkins played for the Bradley Braves Between 1984 and 1988 He was a two-time Missouri Valley Player of the Year in 1987 and 1988. He was also the AP Player of the Year in 1988. When he graduated in 1988, at the time, he was the fourth leading scorer in NCAA history. Also, his number 33 is retired by Bradley. Fun fact, Porter Moser guarded Hersey-Hawkins when he played for Creighton in the 1986 and 87 season. He was quoted describing this experience as the first possession, I deflected a pass on the baseline. The second possession, I got a finger on his jump shot, blocked it, and it fell short. The third possession, I deflected a pass. Then he had 11 points in the next 90 seconds. Well, that was that. I don't think coach could have gotten me out of there fast enough. This has been Deep in the Valley. Okay, jumping into the Bradley Braves and head coach Brian Wardle's fifth season at Bradley. Last season, they were the representatives from the Missouri Valley Conference in the NCAA tournament. After finishing the conference season nine and nine and seventeen and fourteen overall, let's recap their season, Baker. It's kind of a mixed bag. Um, <laughs> they got hot on the right weekend.
1: They did. They did. Um, Bradley's a. This is this is one of those teams. I tell you what. Um, by the way, shout out to my sister, who's an alum. I told her I'd shout her out. But um, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, we're going to be one of those podcasts. You know what? Hey, <laughs> sue me. All right, so last year they started out, they won their non-conference tournament with the wins over SMU and Penn State. Um, you thought, geez, this this is going to be a good team, 6-1. and one, And then they started dropping games. They started dropping games. Uh, finished the non-con at 8-5, and, and then they had a... To put it lightly, they had a poor start to the Missouri Valley schedule. <laughs>
0: poor start. Um, I mean, they were zero and five. Zero and five.
1: Yeah, they they did not start out well at all. Um, the good thing is that they they did rebound. Um, yeah. The going nine 4 the rest of the way was awesome. Um, I thought that they played. They started playing really good basketball after. After that poor start. And I, it was one of those things you just didn't understand what was going on. But then they had that game at Southern. I remember the, it was a, I think I believe it was a Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. game in Southern Illinois. And they won that game. It was a close game. I remember you were, you were probably pretty hot about that game. But, and, and then right after that, they had that win against Illinois State, which I was extremely hot about because they, it felt like Bradley was, okay, now Bradley is going to be what we thought they were going to be. Because going into the last year, I think we both thought Bradley was going to be pretty good. I
0: know. They had everything coming back. Exactly. It was, it, it, they fit in the mold that I like, that they have a ton of returning starters yep. that have played together since they were freshman, sophomores. Yep, yep. Um, I mean, that's my favorite model of a Valley team, people that grow together in the Valley. Um, so I would say if we were doing this podcast, I would have had him pretty high in my preseason pick,
1: and I and I would have too. I mean, Daryl Brown was the guy, especially going in the last year. Even was the guy coming in that you thought. I think we both felt very comfortable with him. Um, but yeah, last season was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, they had that great run at the end, and going f- from going zero and five to nine and four the rest of the way, and then they just they eked out every game at Arch Madness, which it's just mind blowing to me a three point win, a two point win, and a three point win. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen that happen in the Missouri Valley Tournament. Uh, All extremely close games, all exciting games. Um, It's interesting the teams that they beat. They beat Missouri State, who's a trendy pick this year. They beat Loyola this year. It's one of those teams, as you look at what they did at the end of last year, you can start talking yourself into this team again. Um, but and then they also and I know we've talked about their game in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I thought they they represented the Valley really well. They did. Um, they didn't get blown out. Uh, they lost by eleven, but the, I mean that game was tight the whole way. Yeah, we, uh, we were. I I personally, as a Valley fan, was proud of. What Bradley did.
0: I, I mean, if I was Michigan State, if I was Izzo, I hated seeing Bradley at the 15 seed. Rightfully so, they should have been the 15 seed. But that is a strong 15 seed for last year. Yeah, and
1: he even mentioned it when when going into the, the shoot-around before the game. I remember him saying, you know, like, this is not a team that we wanted to see. Right. Um, but, yeah, you know what? Um, mixed, bag regular, mixed bag season last year that finished out on a really great note for them.
0: Yep. So, looking into this season, they lost three starters, and they return... Um, Brown and Childs, so they've got a couple starters back. Um, Brown was second team all in D.C., and then Childs was third team. Um, and then Nate Kennel was the six man of the year, co-six man of the year. Um, let's look at their non-con.
1: Yeah, no, this is, uh, the non-conference is uh, not too bad. No. Um, they got the, they start off with St. Joe's on the 5th of November uh, on the road. Uh, they have a the fort myers tip off which is uh is really good exposure yeah. for them. I love the fact that all the games are on f s one so people can actually see them um, good exposure for them that 's a solid field i mean bradley northwestern kansas state pit that 's i would say pretty darn yes. solid yes um you know, you got that game at Memphis, which Memphis Memphis should be okay. That'll be a great game for them yeah, to go. Yeah,
0: I mean they're going to be great this year.
1: Yeah, so that's that's an awesome game to have on your schedule. Uh, you've got it's it's a nice schedule where you've got a couple challenging games in there
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, to challenge yourself, and it's also you got to get a lot of those get right games yeah. where I think you should win those games and um, get more momentum going into the going into
0: the valley regular season, but you do have opportunity wins there as well. Yeah, they got a lot of action going into valley play. Um I like the get right games. Uh I think <laughs> I'm going to steal that from you because that's great. Um so yeah, let's uh look at the roster. Um it, I don't really know what to expect from Bradley this year.
1: So everything obviously is uh it's Childs and Brown. Mm-hmm. Um Childs, I mean obviously Kennel and uh bar, they're both gonna be they're both gonna be con- contributors. But um as Brown and uh, as is more so Brown for me. Yeah. Uh, the point guard, he is uh, he's a smaller guard, but I mean you got a 14 point a game score, 14 point eight points uh game score coming back. Um he's the guy that stirs a drink. He is the guy that makes Bradley go. I think he is that consistent um kind of calming he calming force with them. Um Elijah's child's more a little more playmaker ability out there. He's 12, 12.4 points a game. Uh, I think that he is kind of a, and I don't know if you'll like this take or not. I think he's a dark horse player of the year candidate. Yeah, for the Missouri Valley, um, if things are going right for him, mm-hmm. um, I feel like he kind of has that really good all around game. Um, I would really like him to kind of take ownership and be just an absolute defensive stopper as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he's kind of my dark horse. First team Valley, second team Valley. Like, I, I like a lot about Elijah Child. because, um, Dar- and it's not any shot of Daryl Brown, but Daryl Brown, you know what you're going to get. Right. And it, it's good. I think Elijah Child's ceiling's a little higher, and I, and I really like him going this year. Um, Barr and Kennel obviously are going to have to be big, big parts of the team. Uh, Kendall can stretch the defense sure. a little bit. Um, yeah, he, he can sh-
0: hit from three, yep. uh, I think he, he'll he be one if he's shooting well. Um,
1: he was nine points a game last year, which uh, he's he's a strong player. Um, Co six man of the year.
0: Yep. Um, I expect Absolutely. him to start this year. Yeah, oh yeah.
1: I, th- I think he has to. The one thing that they do have, uh, a couple of interesting uh, players coming in. Uh, Kingsby, uh, Danya Kingsby is coming in. He's a JUCO transfer. He, uh, he won the JUCO championship at Southern Idaho. Um, he was a thirteen-point-per-game scorer. There, he's actually the number twenty-six ranked JUCO player coming yep. in. Um, it's uh, he's an interesting player coming in. We also have what was it the second leading scorer in the Phoebe Euro under eighteen. Have fun with that name. What Vili Tava Scrabble. I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. I apologize to him for. For in your name out of Finland you think I'm, he's listening in Helsinki I, I, I thought I could nail it this time but I you know what I haven't watched enough hockey yet <laughs> um but uh where he so so from everything I've read um he is a sharpshooter and I think that he is going to be uh it'd be great for him if if Bradley can get something out of him mm-hmm. this year as as a shooter and I think that'd be
0: that'd be great um I don't see a ton of depth here, which I think could play into uh, the success later on in the season. Yeah. Yeah, um, No, just- I,
1: I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I know I talked to some Bradley fans, and a lot of them that I think is the, the overarching kind of worry for them is your, your bench after your, after your five top five. Uh, what do you have after that, and what are you going to get out of them? And I think that comes down to Brian Wardle. Um, He's gonna have to get something out of them. Uh, It's one of those teams that, I don't know about you, I'd love to hear your take, but it's one of those teams, and we've said it before, you can talk yourself into Bradley this year.
0: And you can also talk yourself out of Bradley. Right, easily, and that's how it was last year. And so I think this year is a decent comparison to last year in that I was super high on him, and then I was like, what happened to Bradley? really high expectations last year and then the, of course they became the team we thought they could be late in the season I think it's gonna be almost the inverse this year that they might start off decent and then people might figure them out later on in the season
1: it's it's so interesting like it's one of those teams that I could could I see this team winning the Missouri Valley this year and I think the answer to that is yes but could I also see things going south for this team and this team playing with as good as the top six and seven is? Could I see them being like an Illinois State and sniffing Thursday? Yeah, I. I'm sorry, but I can. Yeah, it's it's a weird dynamic with these guys this year. I'm. Unlike I th- I think that if 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 I have to make a pick now I, I as to say whether they're top half or bottom half I'd say top half. Oh yeah. I, I yeah. you got to say top half with with Child with Childs and Brown cuz they're just too good. Um but one thing is like I mean you're talking about a team that went 9 and 9 two years in a row in the Missouri Valley that um yeah they got hot but
0: they had these this lull last year and it's just like can you avoid the lull? Mhm. And that's the main thing in the valley. So yeah, I think this is the one team that probably has the most fluid sure. seating ramifications for Arch Madness. Because like you said, um, I can't for sure say they're gonna, they're going to end in the top half because I wouldn't be surprised if no. they ended up on Thursday.
1: And that's the crazy the crazy part about it is they're. It seems like from talking to other Valley fans, they're one of the most polarizing teams. <laughs> And it's and it's crazy that this is the this is your tournament champion, your NCAA representative from last year, mm-hmm. and you have so many people that are just on both sides of the fence with this. Right. Um, I think it's I think it's a big year, and I think we're going to find out how good of a coach Brian Wardle is. I think mm-hmm. he's going to have to. Um, I was a big fan of Von Bray last year. Um, I think that replacing the guys that he lost last year, I think, is going to be a big thing for him um, to keep improving those win totals and. I mean, this non-conference is not necessarily easy. I mean, you've got some games on there you can lose.
0: Yeah, and I mean, they could get shellacked in some of them as well. They could and go to
1: Fort Myers and go zero and two. Yeah, mean, and that wouldn't be surprised. But then, you know what? Flip side, they could go two and zero. Right. It's 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 one of those. It's it's a, such a tough team to to make a prediction on, and that's I think the beauty of this year in the Missouri Valley. This is that one team that we're just. We're so torn on
0: Yeah And I'll be interested To see where the media Goes with them If the I think recency, the media Is going to be high I, I think they will too Because I feel like Just the NCAA um, Representative Always um, Kind of comes through Higher um, in, in the rankings
1: It's It's a fa- it's going to be A fascinating deal um, I think I think the Valley I think the, I'll tell you right now And I, I don't know If we'll end up Being right on this But I bet you That the media Will be higher Than we are
0: Yeah I but, agree Um, good team I I agree and um, they might get hot again on the right weekend and be the representative in the NCAA tournament that's been the Bradley Braves this has been episode 6 of the March of the Arch podcast where we broke down the Loyola Ramblers and the Bradley Braves what's on store for next week
1: yeah so next week we finally can put a bow on two days we uh, we are finally done All of the teams have been previewed. Uh, We are going to have uh, Vance and I's consensus top 10 rankings for the pre-preseason rankings. Uh, And we're also going to have our own individual uh, player of the years, uh, coach of the years. We're going to do a first team all MVC and uh, obviously we're going to, we're going to, just kind of talk about it as as a whole, now that we're done talking about it, each team individually. And if the Missouri Valley releases their media awards and everything like that, we'll obviously have a pretty packed episode because we'll touch on that as well. But uh, uh, yeah, that, that'll that be the next episode.
0: Absolutely, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Baker. Also, um, this week we we introduced the Take Board. So we're gonna continue to uh, hash that out and review those picks. So just a recap, um, Baker is on the, it's the battle for Iowa. Baker has Drake and I have Northern Iowa. Go Bulldogs. All right, um, where can they find us?
1: Yeah, uh, they can find us at, uh, on Twitter, MarchArchBaker, MarchArchPod, as the two Twitter handles. Uh, the March Arch Mailbag at gmail.com is also a great place for you to send us messages and we've been interacting a ton.
0: It's uh, been I so know, much fun. Oh it, has it has you, been. Thank you listeners, this has been so much fun. It's been both email and Twitter, uh, love it. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it so much fun. Yeah,
1: no, especially and and we love having this community. I know, I know, I really want to keep things rolling on Twitter as well. Just because I want to, once the season starts, when games are going on, I'm going to be tweeting. You know, if I'm if I'm watching some early season Loyola games or Bradley games. I'm going to be tweeting about them, and, and, and you would love to keep that interaction going. So um, any feedback and anything like that, I'd uh, love to hear from you Loyal and Bradley fans about what you thought of our thoughts of your teams uh, and going forward, especially when we give our top ten. Uh, I, I, I'm going to encourage everybody to send us their top ten.
0: Yep. Hey, we just appreciate the fans, and uh, continue to listen. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll evolve as, um, as we see fit. All right, sounds That's good. Everybody have a good week, and uh, go Valley.
1: talking about the valley. Why not?